This is The Guardian. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly. England have won a major tournament. It is home. Uh, that iconic image of Chloe Kelly's shirt off, sprinting away, being chased down by the rest of her squad. Kira Walsh's inch-perfect pass, Ella Toon's perfect dink, Mary Earp's calmness, Jill Scott's absolutely perfect super slow-mo use of the English language. The game had everything, a beautiful goal, a scrappy winner, so much tension, the popless Germans getting back into it, the teams kicking lumps out of each other. And at the end of it all, the word England was engraved onto a real trophy, no one say Le Tournoir, for the first time since 1966. Barry has hated the relentless cheerleading of this team. I'm not sure what else there is to do today. After we've rammed all that down your throat, there's some other stuff. Could Erling Braut Haaland have scored that Chloe Kelly chance? Would he ever score for Manchester City? Darwin Nunes, insert your own joke about Liverpool's evolution. The EFL and Scottish football begins when analyse Cambridge United's 100% record in detail. All that plus your questions, and that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. Ross says, fair play, Robin Cowan, for even turning off. I'd be off my bonds, mate. How are you, Robin? I was off my bonce last night. <laughs> so I was saying to you, Max, it's been about three years since I had more than one drink and my tolerance, low as it was beforehand, is not there at all. <laughs> so uh, it was <laughs> wow. a good night, but yeah, a little bit delicate today. Uh, Barry Glendening would, would be very disappointed with my efforts. <laughs> can, can I ask a question? Um, you can. You've not been introduced yet, Barry. Okay. I think people know you're probably coming. It's fine. <laughs> How how do you only have one drink? Like, what is even the point of having one drink? <laughs> I, I enjoy no, a drink. <laughs> just... I feel this is I feel this is a a different podcast and b an intervention I've been needing to have with Barry for a long time. But we'll, we'll do that later. Um, Susie Rack, you tweeted in the middle of the night. No pressure, David Squires, but I'm getting a tattoo of whatever you draw. Again, well done for even being here. You look surprisingly well. Yeah, well, I mean, we're recording Women's Football Weekly until like 11.30 or something like that. So I got into Box Park 20 minutes before it closed uh, and then we went to another bar, obviously. So it was a late one, but, you know, adrenaline's getting me through. Got to get fresh for Trafalgar Square. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> God, you're going there too. Wow. Alex says, Barry, England are European champions, aren't they? Yes, they are. <laughs> uh, lots of people ask you questions, Barry. Um, Scott, how's Barry doing? Uh, Sioni Boy, is Baz okay? Uh, Ed, England were good, weren't they, Barry? Martin, uh, now he's seen England lift a major trophy. What's the next thing Barry wants to tick off his bucket list? How are you? I'm I'm okay. I mean, I'm a bit sick. Uh, I, I watched the game in a pub. I was actually in the company of, weirdly, uh, the actor Pauline McLean, who plays Mrs. Doyle in Father Ted, among many other roles, but that's the one for which she's most famous. She's the sister of a a friend of mine. And uh, she was 
cheerleading for England in a manner I found quite frankly despicable. <laughs> but she was appalled that I wanted them to get beaten. I mean, someone has to say, surely we're saying, go on, go on, go on. Well, go I on, didn't I on. didn't want to go there. <laughs> Weirdly, at one point she asked me if I wanted a drink. I wasn't in the same round as her. And uh, she said, look, I, I'll get you a drink. I don't want you, you know, you're not... Don't feel obliged to get me one back or anything. Will you have one? And I sort of went. I was about to go. Uh, no, don't. Yes, please. So uh, <laughs> could you put it in a bag and I'll have it later? But um, yeah, she she was uh, hugely, hugely behind the England football team. Um, and I found that slightly grating, I have to say. But I'm delighted they won because it means so much to, to Robin and to Susie and to Flo and to Salon and to uh, what what's her name on Talksport? Faye. Oh yeah, Faye. That one <laughs> whose name I've forgotten. Um, and and all our our uh, women's football th- tub thumpers on um on this podcast. It it means so much to them, clearly. And I'm I'm happy on the in that regard. Yeah, I, I mean, that was, I wanted to start there. We will talk about the game, but to ask the emotional question about about what it means to you, Susie. You know, I've I've heard you on the Women's Football Weekly, um, and uh, which that that woman you can't remember hosts. Yeah, Barry. Flo. And uh, no, no, <laughs> <face>. <laughs> wow, wow. This is this is why you only have one drink, isn't it? Um, yeah, Susie. What what does it mean to you? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, like it's, I, I think, uh, like a lot of men's journalists won't really understand quite how people like me and Robin and Faye and others feel watching the team win this tournament because obviously they've got a, a you know a, a relationship with the England men's team and if they watch them win a major tournament that would be you know a very different experience for them and very moving in ways that I probably wouldn't understand but for us we've we've you know been championing this game for a long time often against uh editors and uh and desks that you know don't want to cover women's sport we've had to fight for a place to to write to speak to um to be able to earn a living off of this game and covering it and have been a part you know, in the same way that journalists would have been 100, 200 years ago uh, in the growth of the game to this point, um, in the same way they would have done with the men's back then, uh, at helping <laughs> build it to this point. Um, yeah, covering it when no one else was <laughs> and, yeah, championing the sport as a sport um, when there was little interest. There's been a lot of people that have been doing that for a very, very long time often for very little money when I started I was earning virtually nothing from covering this I was you know paying my own way around places yeah so then to see it reach a point like this where you know it's going to be like absolutely transformative for the industry as like that you work in as well as you know just society generally because of um, the impact of the fact that it's a the women's team that brought it home after all these years 
is um is huge yeah it's just it's such a weird feeling and so, like uh, yeah I think it's the thing that made me most nervous before kickoff I saw like there's no losses here like they could have lost that game and they've already done so much um and there's a lot to be said about collective mourning and things like that um and the world cup's only a year away I think you know it it wouldn't have set things back if they had lost in that final but it was just the the knowledge that there was this this next level of of expectation of of potential, I suppose that it that could be reached if they won that trophy. That was that was the bit that made the nerves hit. Robin, you did a, a like a. I was worried you'd gone a bit too early. Like when it was a hundred and seventeenth minute, and you were sort of doing like the history of what this means <laughs> yeah. to, to blah and blah. And I was like, oh, I would wait until like wait until like you know the board's gone up at least. But like, what does it what does it mean to you? I, I still feel, a, because of the job I do, a kind of distance, because you can't go too overboard. Yes, it, I was commentating for the BBC, so you can be a little bit biased. You know, I think everyone was clear that wanted England to win. But it's just, I still feel that, like, perhaps it's slightly different for Susie, because she's she knows these players intimately, whereas I kind of, I still don't, I haven't really met them, <laughs> I kind of watched them from afar, but... In terms of the actual, the results and just this tournament and just this group of players, it means so much. And I think Leah Williamson said it, didn't she, Susie, in the um, pre-match to this. It just, she's just so impressive. She's 25 and she talks, honestly, that, I mean, you want to summarise it, Susie, but basically saying that it's given them legitimacy almost, which is not how it should be, but that's just the way things are. Um, and she she just spoke so eloquently about it. Yeah, she, I mean, she was incredible. She basically said that, you know, they've changed society. And I, I like, you know, people may mock that a little bit and say, oh, you know, how can a, how can a football match and a tournament uh, impact society? But, um, but it has because, it, you know, this is women doing something in a space that they've not been uh, allowed to do for a very long time. And then it's been you know sort of discouraged and mocked and hasn't been treated as a place for for women to be um and the impact of seeing them lift a first trophy for england since 66 um as a women's team uh, playing the way they did as well like with such style obviously not much style in the final <laughs> bar the the uh, first goal i'd say yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it's it's hugely impactful beyond it. And I thought it was, you know, when she's in the pre-match press conference, she actually had me crying. And I was kind of thinking, damn, I've got to ask a question. This is really stressful. <laughs> she said, this is this final is not the end of a journey, but the start of one. Regardless of the end result, it will be a nice moment of reflection. But she she then said, I've only ever been in in this football workplace, but in most workplaces across the world, women still have a few more battles to face to try to overcome for every success we make for every change of judgment or perception or the opening of eyes of somebody who will now view women as somebody with a potential to be equal to her male counterpart that can create change in society and that it just sums it up so perfectly and to sit there and hear an England captain be asked to expand on what she meant when she said they had changed society and to come out with that which was just so so beautifully well spoken and well put and yeah articulated that it it was just it was just really really nice to see a real leader say something very very powerful in a in a really big moment 
I love the idea of Susie, you sitting in a press conference, like bawling your eyes out, just going one more second, blowing your nose, just going, hang on, so I'll ask you a question in a second. Tom says, what made you cry more, Max, England winning the Euros or when the ghost of Doug Willis turned up? <laughs> it's, it's actually the same. And it's interesting. I, I, I wasn't sure how carried away I was. And because this game had so much tension, because there were moments like Germany started that second half and I was like, oh, shit. They're going to win this. And then we scored against the one of players. A brilliant goal. I thought, oh, thank fuck for that. And then the equaliser, I thought we had, I honestly thought that was it. I just thought we were done and I was gutted. And it was actually the player interviews afterwards on the pitch that, that just made me completely go. Let's let's talk about the the game. I mean, that iconic image of of Chloe Kelly, Lucy Ward, not our Lucy Ward, but the 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 writer just wrote this image of a woman shirtless in a sports bra, hugely significant. This is a woman's body, not for sex or show, just for the sheer joy of what she can do and the power and skills she has. Wonderful. And it is, you know, it is a, it's a, it's an image with history in this game, Susie, isn't it? Yeah. Um, in 1999, uh, in the World Cup final, um, the US uh, won on penalties and Brandy Chastain, the, the, who scored the winning penalty, celebrated in very similar style fell to like whipped her shirt off fell to her knees really iconic pose in fact it's on the front of my book I think yeah it is such a double checking because I probably need an update <laughs> and uh she, yeah so she's she she fell to her knees and there's a really iconic image of her in her sports bra um and it was a real like the whole that whole moment in 99 was a real game-changing moment for the US that World Cup win it was the world record crowd of over 90 odd thousand at the time and uh yeah real you know, there was only beaten literally this this year a few months ago by Barcelona's record crowds at the Camp Nou. So it is a, a real big moment for the sport in the US and a real waking up to um, to soccer in the US um, and has helped fuel the dominance uh, of that side on an international level for a long time. And it did feel like this was this was England's moment to do that as well. And I asked Chloe afterwards whether it was a conscious thing. And she said no. And I thought that was more beautiful as well, is that it was, she said, I didn't think about it at all. It was completely instinctive. Faye said she saw her, like, sort of go to take it off, almost pause as if to think, I'm going to get carded here. And then just go, nah, and just rip it off anyway. And, like, go sailing away with it, spinning it around her head. And, uh, yeah, just, I mean, it's incredibly powerful to see uh, a woman physically physical athletic celebrating joy joyously sweaty in the heat of the moment in a in a non-sexualized way that is very very powerful I mean look at all the front pages and stuff this morning where you've and the back pages where you've got that image displayed sends a brilliant message Ella Toon's goal Barry was brilliant. I mean, what a pass! The pass from Kira Walsh was brilliant. She didn't get that many chances to to show that she could do that yesterday, Kira Walsh, and at a really vital time for England because Germany were the better side at that time. No, it was a, it was a wonderful finish. I applaud her bravery for trying it because I think in her position, I'd have bottled it and gone for one of the corners and probably put it wide. Not the the finesse was was it a chip? I'm not sure, but um, I'd call that I'd call that a dink a maybe. dink it was well, more I, like lifted wasn't it it was like lifted kind of, over yeah. her i mean i called it a chip in my piece because i was on the whistle and i couldn't bother to change it later but um uh yeah i i felt like it was just yeah more sort of almost well johnny said on women's week it was scooped which is is quite right. a good way of putting it but yeah like sort of lifted over her wasn't it neatly and actually, Robin, there's a there's a poetry to goals that take ages to go. I mean, it was utterly beautiful as a finish, but 
I don't know what it was like for you because I don't know from your vantage point if you could see straight away if it was going in or not. No, no. At St. Barry, it looked like it was going wide. But those are the best goals to commentate on because she was clean through. You're like, okay, I know who this is. Brilliant. Whereas the the winner, that was a complete mess. I was like, oh, I don't know who's done that. So yeah, it it was very much appreciated. But I want to pick up something that Barry said there. It was that was brave and... I think this is the the main thing that Serena Wiegmann has, has brought to this team. She's brought clarity. They know their jobs. They're structured. But she's also instilled this massive confidence and to take risks. That's why you get your Alessia Russo back heel goals. They were even pulling out a few flicks and tricks in the final. And Ella Toon has the confidence to do that. Because as you say, I would have ballooned it God knows where. So this is the thing that Serena Wiegmann has brought to this team and it's just invaluable and also she's her changes are always so good and we sort of knew what most of the changes would be I'm interested to to know what you think Susie I kept throughout this tournament when Jill Scott has come on late on I have kind of thought oh this is kind of Jill Scott's such a legend of of the game she deserves some minutes on the pitch but she was so important yesterday because Okay, we'll get on to the fact the game was filthy and the Germans are shithouses and England weren't shithousing enough until Jill Scott came on the pitch and she was absolutely, she was so important, I thought. Incredibly important. I mean, like, she was never just in this squad to be the the hype woman off the pitch because she is a well, lot... Serena doesn't do that, does she? No, she doesn't. And, um, and... Yeah, no, I like I was uh, when I was in Switzerland ahead of this for the last friendly before the tournament. Um, as an aside, they were uh, they came off the training pitch and they were all like, you know, kind of dancing and singing and stuff and going on the exercise bikes and on a tightrope. They were like taking it in turns and jeering each other, falling off this tightrope. And then uh, and then they were all sitting around these tables, uh, belting out grease uh, bangers and then. Uh, Jill Scott is up on the table, like proper grease lightning it, uh, while they all like cheered and clapped around her. She's a lot of fun, but she is a fantastic football player. She hasn't lost any of her physicality. She's one of the fittest players in the squad, despite her age. Like she is incredibly athletic and like very, very physical and uh, yeah, really, really can like settle a game and command commander midfield still um she was hugely important in 2019 at the world cup and you know it's not that long ago that that was despite it feeling like an age ago and yeah there's still a lot of there's still a lot of fuel in that engine like I think she is you know still quite an important part of this team in the role that she played yesterday and the super slow-mo of Fuck off, you fucking prick. <laughs> absolutely beautiful. Uh, Jacob says, a 12-minute deep dive into Jill Scott's perfect use of the English language, please. It was just the timing of it, because that was all you saw on the replay. It was just absolutely, it was magical. That This game, we can we can talk about that, but this game had that, Susie, didn't it? I mean, it was it was really dirty. Oh, yeah. And it's like, that is really fun to watch sometimes when it's two teams that are both like real sort of, like taking lumps out of each other and really sort of trying to mess with each other's heads early doors as well. Like um, that battle between Georgia Stanway and Lena Oberdorf in the middle. So, so, so feisty for me, that was going to be like the key of this game. And I think generally Oberdorf had the better of, of, um, of, of Stanway and uh, Germany had the better of the midfield battle more generally. But there were, yeah, there was, it, it, it was great, wasn't it? Like I just love um, all of that, and it's it's great to see it in a final. It's great to see them both doing it. 
um and it's it's great to show that yes you know the yes there's a lot of great things about the women's game that make it a really nice environment to be in and you know i think there was we we didn't hear a single 10 german bombers for example you know rubbish like that doesn't doesn't permeate it uh, just yet but then you know you've also got this you know these players are passionate <laughs> um and they will do whatever they have to to win and that's a very satisfying thing to see from from people robin if you wanted to pick anyone out i, I mean i thought mary Earps was so commanding through that tournament so much is spoken about goalkeepers and the standard of goalkeeping and she just especially just claiming crosses was sort of peerless actually yeah no i, I said it before on this poll i think she was pretty much flawless two goals she conceded she couldn't have done anything about them um, they were sort of defensive errors. Although I thought the Germany goal, I think England were a bit out of shape, weren't they? But it was a really well-worked goal and Magul was definitely their most most threatening player. Um, and we should probably mention that Alexandra Pop, we were all getting the popcorn out for Pop versus uh, Bright and that didn't happen. It felt a really, on a, on a sort of human level, really felt for her. She looked absolutely devastated because she'd, it's almost like she can't, she can't catch a break at the Euros because she was having the Euros of her life. Her first one, having missed the previous two with injury, was on the track for the Golden Boot. And also maybe if she'd scored, she'd be... Um, I think Michelle Pacini was the only other uh, player to score in every single game at the European Championships. And she pulls up in the warm-up. I mean, that is totally devastating. And I do wonder how much that affected Germany in their game plan. I'm not sure if it did actually that much because um, it's not like they launch balls to her that's that's not really their their thing but but also actually on the flip side that may have affected England you know that they were ready to sort of try try and stop her and maybe they they were asked a few different questions because of that late change George says how how good is it to see six minutes of proper keep it in the corner game management that's John why I Paul's, went early the, <laughs> yeah <laughs> is this the best way to kill off a game he's this John Paul has sent us like the heat map of where the ball was it just ends with just like just this manic section of arrows and dots in the corner that last that was so that was brilliant I, I paid to watch that football the hilarious thing was is I totally missed that entire what like seven eight minutes of them doing that because I was so head buried in laptop and someone said it afterwards and I was like what the hell are you talking about? When was that? And they're like, oh, the last eight minutes of the end. And I was like, Christ, okay. I uh, <laughs> My match report was priority at that point. And I like entirely missed that. I'm actually really looking forward to later tonight, maybe, or maybe tomorrow morning, sitting down and watching the game in full with a drink and some food uh, that isn't the really, really crap, um, out-of-date <laughs> sandwiches we were given by UEFA. Um, and, uh, <laughs> oh, that's and lovely. How far out How far out of date? May. May 22. You're joking. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm really not. I wish I was. <laughs> I wish what, I was. What, hang on, what... What type of it? Like prawn sandwiches? Like, oh, I mean, there's, there's a yeah, risk, Yeah, I ate a there? tuna sandwich before I realised. Um, oh, so, you know, I'm, I'm expecting <laughs> oh, no. Trafalgar Square could be uh, <laughs> could be interesting, you know, with how few toilets there are around that area. Please, please don't emulate that famous Sunderland fan <laughs> in the fountain. <laughs> <laughs> when you said, I'm expecting Trafalgar Square, I thought that's a euphemism. <laughs> that sounds quite... She sounds quite good, doesn't it? Can we can we talk about you know the bigger aspects of this, like the crowd, right? Eighty seven thousand one hundred ninety two. Um, is that the biggest for a European? Yeah, final? men's and women's. Uh, uh, men's and women's, uh, and so much has been said, and you touched on it there. You know, the atmosphere. Adam Crafton saying this must be the most children ever for a, a, a foot for a football match at Wembley. It's very nice. Um, you know, there's so many comparisons between you know the lack of people with flares up their backsides. It seems like a twee question, Robin, but 
should we want more kids going to football and having a nice time and respecting other national anthems and just all the things that the 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 support is you know a not just a tiny minority a big minority or whatever it is of the England men's support just can't do like go you know you'd imagine it when England go you know go to Australia if there are lots of England fans they're not going to take over you know Canberra Town Square are they <laughs> yeah and start chucking chairs about yeah no I think it it's great obviously it would be much nicer if men's football was like that um, but. I think fine, and it, with with women's football, that's a real USP, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's it feels like a safe space. It was a, it's still there was still a fantastic atmosphere, people chanting, you know, people making a lot of noise, but it just doesn't have that edge, you know, no booing the national anthem, no stupid chants. I think a flare up the backside would have been all right, but <laughs> you know. kids can't afford to go to men's football anymore. Like, that's the other thing, fa- you yeah. know. Pa- parents can't afford to take their kids to games with them anymore. Like dads and mums that go to watch men's games can't afford it. It's a lot of money, and I like. I don't think it's necessarily that kids don't want to go to men's football or that parents don't want to take them. It's that it, it it's very very difficult to not just for the environment but financially. You know, that's hundreds and hundreds of pounds you're set back if you try and take your family to um, a men's game. Um, whereas this was affordable, you know, I bought my son and my husband tickets for it way back when they first went on sale. I was like, quick opening game and, uh, and Wembley for my, my, uh, nine-year-old. Um, and he had an absolute whale of a time. And like, uh, Salon was saying it the other day from Football Beyond Borders when she took 40, uh, young black girls from from their uh, their organization to the semi-final at Bramall Lane that like she she talked really eloquently on uh, women's football weekly after that uh, semi-final about the um, the impact of live football on those girls and the sort of collective euphoria that you experience and the you know the collective um pain you go through and all of the various emotions that you go through in a in a big mass crowd, and how that you know there's there's nothing quite like it. You don't get it in the same way from watching it on telly, do you? And joining in the chants and all that kind of stuff, and like you know, girls that you know had never really been that into football are then dancing through the concourse, singing "Beth Mead's on Fire." Like it's it's incredibly powerful to be sat in a crowd like that, um, and can really like transform a kid's attitudes towards football which for me is absolutely mad that clubs men's club men you know the the owners and uh, managers of men's clubs wouldn't want to see um young kids getting that vibe and being bitten by the the live football bug in that way they're their future uh, season ticket holders and at the moment they're sort of cut out of the game a word on the women who went before the ones who didn't make it onto the pitch as well from this squad. The, I saw Steph Horton sending a tweet going, you know, the girls only went and done it unbelievable, but that must have been hard to write for for Steph Horton, you know, and just sort of seeing that like, our mate Amy Lawrence saying, as someone who was so discouraged from playing as a kid, I got detention from kicking a ball around in a netball lesson at an English school. Watching this blows my mind. You know, I saw Lucy Ward, our Lucy Ward, like tweeting a picture of her football team and it's just all boys and it's her from, you know, from... It must be the eighties or something. Like for all for all the people who've come before, um, you know, up to these people on the pitch, it, it means so much to them, doesn't it? 
uh, incredible amount. Um, you know, we bumped into quite a few ex-players around Box Park last night. You know, Anita Asante, um, you know, Eddie Aluko was in there. Um, Siobhan Chamberlain, Karen Bardsley, like, you know, players that have like played when the game there was you know no game to be played really um in terms of like any kind of realistic career in the way that these players are going to go on to have now I think Brandy Chastain the one who took her shirt off after the 99 uh World Cup final tweeted at Chloe Kelly I see you Chloe Kelly get ready for never having to buy a drink or a meal in England again um and like you know their lives are going to be completely changed but for <laughs> all the people that came before the Carol Thomases the like you know go go back far you know the teams the Corinthians Manchester Corinthians that played uh, in the middle of the ban on women's football and traveled all over the world playing in front of tens of thousands of people in the likes of Mexico and France but couldn't play in association affiliated grounds here um at the time that England just uh, sort of after uh, England had won the World Cup in 66 so like yeah I mean what has been really nice in this tournament is that a lot of the uh, England players have pointed back to that and have always referenced it I mean I cannot imagine how hard it must have been for Steph Horton to watch that final um you know having been so close to trying like getting back into the squad after you know real like brutal season of injury um and you know she went back into training early before anyone else to try and get fit enough and prove herself to to Serena and the coaching staff in time and then couldn't and you know having captained the uh, the team at the last three uh major uh, semi-final exits to then be sat watching that uh, must have been very very difficult but yeah she was an important part of the process of this team and was a really important advocate for it. And a lot of them were. And it's, yeah, um, I think there was a lot of, uh, a big release for a lot of those people that um, that had, you know, kind of finally seen the fruits of all that toil um, come come through in a very meaningful way. Because I think one of the big things about this this win is that that these players... You know, I mean, yes, they're going to be elevated like never before. You're being from freedom of the city of London today and all that kind of stuff. And what's very powerful is that the players have almost given themselves a really powerful voice in all of those conversations because they've done it, right? They've won this. They've got a, a an you know a bargaining chip, if anything, to to justify their their everything they do and justify asking for more in a way that. They've not really had before. There's been a very grateful culture in English women's football. You know, be happy with what what you get. Um, but now I think it's time that they start demanding stuff. And I think we we've started in the way they've been speaking. The way Leah Williamson was, you know, yelling into the crowd, telling people into the crowd, into the camera, telling people to get to the women's Super League games. Like they have the power now and the authority to say this is, uh, you know, this is what we want. This is what we want from you. And I think that's a, a very a, like a, an important shift in mindset off the back of this this win. Uh, Robin, you said last week you were shitting it before the final. Were you shitting it? Um, like we had so many messages saying how brilliant you were. So you were. I, you're too humble to accept them, I'm sure. But how, how did it? How did it feel? It was great. I think mainly because um, me and Rachel Brown Finnis have like. She, to be fair to her, she's not done a lot of TV. She's like this. Just this year, we've started to kind of work together, and she's been amazing. And it's all about 
how you kind of feel if you're com- totally comfortable with your co-commentator. So I can't speak highly enough of her. She's been absolutely amazing because it's it's really not an easy job. I think it's um it's the hardest job for out of all the jobs for the pundits. It's the most difficult one to call a game as it oh, yeah as it's happening. Yeah. Like you know, studio have time to kind of you know pick out things that they want to talk about and and things like that. And she's been amazing. And it was really lovely. She was gone at full time full on crying. So I, tr- I tried to bring her in at the trophy lift, but she was just like, <laughs> can... so, <laughs> that was really lovely. But I just feel like, yeah, it was such an honor and a, and a privilege to, to be the voice of that. And I just hope, I hope that I actually hope the the team are okay with what I said as well, because obviously they're going to be hearing it. And yeah, although my poor husband, because I think my voice is everywhere and he gets it all day, every day. So um, he might have to, <laughs> I don't know. Go with Barry to emigrate somewhere, <laughs> perhaps. Wow. Uh, here's here's the final question for part one from Scott that says, big if, but if England were to win the Men's World Cup and we end up with two major trophies this year, would it be the worst year of Barry's life? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, anyway, look, that will do. Um, there are loads of things we haven't covered. Go and listen to the Guardian Women's Football Weekly that they recorded last night on our bed at a Premier Inn hotel because uh, it's really good. Um, but uh, we'll let you go now, Susie. You can go off to Trafalgar Square uh, and celebrate. And uh, w- look, well done for getting through a tournament because it's there can be an ordeal. But this was a good one, right? Thank you, Susie. Nice one. Cheers, guys. Uh, Susie right there, the Guardian Women's Football correspondent. We'll be back in a second talking about Erling Braut Harland and whether he's a fraud. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at borough.com slash ACAST. Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. Adam says, I received a notification from the Guardian that the Glendening Rushton half and half scarves are back ordered now. Is Baz's sewing machine malfunctioning or something? This is extraordinary. How many, how many did we make? Like six? How how have we run out of stock? Anyway, we promised to uh, get them back in um, and just Google Football Weekly merchandise or The Guardian Bookshop or something like that and you'll get to it. Let's talk about the Community Shield. The game was in Leicester. Who knew? I certainly didn't know until the last pod. Liverpool beating Man City 3-1. Generic Pundit says, your thoughts on yesterday's conclusive evidence that Haaland will score zero goals this season and Nunes 50. Spicy turbo cans. Could Barry have scored any of Haaland's chances? And producer Joel wrote that by the end he actually felt sorry for Erling Braut Haaland. Barry, did you feel sorry for him by the end? No, I wouldn't say I felt sorry for him. I've read uh, he he has apparently been written off by many already on the back of this performance. It wasn't good. He missed uh, two good chances, one of them an absolute sitter. He was making, I thought, good runs in behind the, the Liverpool defence, but his teammates weren't trying to pick him out because they kept playing the ball sideways to the flanks, as Man City often do. They have this trademark goal of theirs that, you know, involves taking the ball to the byline, p- 
pulling it into the penalty area and someone slots it home. I suppose they're going to have to get used to trying to facilitate Haaland. I've no doubt he'll score quite a few goals if he remains injury-free. But, it, yeah, I, I would be lying if I said I didn't find it quite amusing that his first game was a bit of a disaster. And I'd, I'd imagine he's gutted, even though, look, the Community Shield is a friendly in all but name, but that was a fiercely contested Community Shield final. It It's turned into a Haaland v Nunes narrative, and I suppose you could say both of them wreaked havoc on the pitch, but in very different ways. <laughs> I mean, he was really not very good, Robin, and that is quite funny because he is really good. And I, I mean, I don't know how many games in we go, maybe he won't score but you know I still think Timo Werner will score bucket loads of goals last season so that's where I'm at I'm obviously Harden will score millions but it You're was still... quite it was quite funny the Werner hill you're gonna die on yeah. Isn't it, Max yeah I just um I just wonder when Keys and Gray are gonna sit you know manage to wheel out that he can't do it in the Premier League yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is gonna get very tedious very quickly isn't it because on the BBC Sport website it's the headline is you know like Nunes sort of wins the first battle between Nunes and uh, and Harlan. So yeah, it's already it's already started. Now I'm sure he'll he'll score goals. But I do wonder because that sorry that that um as you mentioned Barry that sort of move to the byline, Raheem Sterling was really important with that a lot of the time. And um, Jack Grealish, I think he probably will have a better season because the new signings for Man City tend to sort of need a year to bed in. But I did think they were just generally quite poor against Liverpool. I, again, I don't know how much to read into that. Liverpool just looked a bit sharper, I think. That's interesting, isn't it? That new signings take a sort of year with Man City and new signings take about two minutes with Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're, they're just like, oh, he's, Nunes has played for them for, for years. Um, well, Liverpool tend to get them in oven ready mm. like Brexit. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Liverpool. I thought Liverpool played really well. In the, I mean, it was a really good game actually, and it was intense. And games between these two sides are things to really look forward to during the season. I thought Thiago and Henderson were great. Robin again, like it's not, it's not rocket science. You know, it's not, and it's not great insight to say they're really good, but they are really good at football. No, just they, you know, Jurgen Klopp. Just they just see again. It's they just seem to play with clarity, know their job, so energetic. You know, um, in the midfield. And yeah, and also they've got these really good, exciting young players like Harvey Elliott. And also they've now got Carvalho from Fulham, who looks a real, real prospect. You know, I don't think they're going to be regular starters, but it's a good squad. You know, lost uh, lost Sadio Mane, but uh, if Nunes can, can carry on, then, you know, I mean, they missed out. Did they miss out by... A point, or was it goal difference? I can't remember last season. But anyway, they they it was won. Close. They won yeah. a lot. You know, they got that momentum. They won a hell of a lot of games last season, so to, especially towards the back end. So I just think they'll they'll carry on where they left off. And and when um, Darwin Nunes, I loved his celebration. Like he too, you know, uh, whipped his shirt off, and uh, it it was like looking in a mirror. Man. <laughs> It's interesting uh, chest hair he has in that he has a real rug on his pecs and then nothing. Do you think he he grooms the six pack? I, I think you're on thin ice here, Max, because in your uh, stool slapping video, you, you 
Your navel yeah, I, hair. I have interesting chest hair, but it, the the I I don't have a lot of hair up top, but I have like it almost looks like a sort of makes it look like a guitar on <laughs> <laughs> my belly or something. Interesting discussion on chest hair configuration. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, I, I don't I don't groom any part. That's just how it. I I did get it waxed for the Men's Health Six Pack Challenge. In fact, it was videoed by deck from anton deck out to what? golf day yeah that's an odd thing to happen <laughs> but if you haven't had anton deck film your chest being waxed you haven't lived frankly on a similar subject i don't know where craig Pawson had been on holiday but he had a wonderful suntan it's what i just couldn't stop looking at craig Pawson for the whole of this game um that may just have been me I, I, maybe i just don't watch football in the right way <laughs> i don't know <laughs> anyway look, that was the community shield the premier league is back uh on the weekend and wednesday and thursday we're doing big premier league preview pods um uh, other news from the premier league nottingham forest have signed Aurel mangala for 12.7 million from stuttgart um newcastle as we may mention at the top of part three are trying to buy leicester's harvey barnes Cristiano Ronaldo uh, included himself. Uh, is it his choice in Manchester United's squad? Maybe it is to play uh, Rio Vallecano on Sunday. He left before full time. So there's some more story for you. Um, and Everton signed Dwight McNeil. And Barry, you made a ludicrous claim about him on Twitter. Well, I didn't make a ludicrous claim. I was out having a drink with some friends and it came up on Sky Sports News that Everton had signed Dwight McNeil, I think. And I pointed out that he had no goals and one assist to his name in 38 appearances last season, which prompted one of my friends to tweet that Barry said he would score more goals than Dwight McNeil. Um, I couldn't score any less. <laughs> let's just let's just leave it there. But I I see he scored two goals in a friendly. He did, uh, yes, at- he did. So yeah, good luck to him. Um, and there was a nice moment where Everton brought on a, a fan who's done lots of help for Ukraine. I think he's dr- driven like um, loads of uh, you know kit and clothes and all that sort of stuff over there. And he came on and took a penalty and scored. Although Deli Ali was subbed, and I was just like, oh, don't do it to Deli. Like you know, <laughs> we've been subbed now for a portly middle-aged a new man. Low. <laughs> oh, oh, what a shame. A new low for Deli Alley. And you've got to look pleased about it. Anyway, uh, that'll do for part two. Uh, Ben Fisher joins us in part three to uh, rattle through what happened in the EFL's opening weekend. Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. Um, Let's get the EFL headlines live from Ben Fisher's car. Um, We can see the sunroof. Everybody wants to know... Where are you going and where are you parked, Ben? Max, I'm at Leicester City's amazing training ground. It's uh, it's hell of a place. This it's got a. I'm just looking around now. It's a beautiful morning here, actually, and it's it's got a herb garden, a, a fishing lake, a nine-hole golf course. I mean, I could be on holiday, but but I'm not. I'm. Uh... It's got a herb. I like, I understand the others, but like just like Yuri Tielemans, just like sort of like picking rosemary or something, just <laughs> like. Just to calm him down. It's got a sand pit as well. I think Fafana did some of his uh, rehab in the sand pit. The fishing lake, <laughs> apparently, uh, the fishing lake, I think Vardy has has used. So, yeah, it's all here for the, the modern day pro. Is um is Kasper Schmeichel leaving and going to Nice? That is weird, isn't it? Yeah, I think he's assessing his options. I, I think he'll go personally, but I think Leicester would want somebody else in. Leicester haven't signed anyone yet this summer, and the talk... At the moment, is Schmeichel might leave, Fafana might leave, Madison might leave, 
uh, Harvey Barnes might leave. I'm 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 saying Leicester might be an outside bet to get relegated this season. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think um, Schmeichel is the one I can see going. I don't think that's that would actually be a huge surprise. He wants to play uh, in Europe. It's maybe his last sort of chance to do that. Um, for Farner, they're adamant won't go obviously as we know money talks but I think they'd want more than what they sold Maguire for so more than 80 million Ditto Madison would be big money I, I just I don't know if those teams are going to get near what Leicester would want but I think Schmeichel going if, if he was to go is a bit of a you know changing of the guard that's a big moment he obviously was part of that title team so I see what you're saying Barry yeah I think the 11 if they can get everybody fit the, the starting 11 is a good 11 but yeah they need more they haven't signed anybody as you say I think they're the only team in the whole of Europe not to sign anybody. So, yeah, they're a bit thin. On Friday night, with apologies to Burnley, and I, I presume Robin's in the same boat as me, I watched the first half of Burnley and then I moved to the last ever episode of Neighbours because clearly I felt I will be able to watch Burnley again. Not that I necessarily want to, uh, uh, but I will never be able to get to watch Neighbours again. Um, but the way Burnley played in that first half, I was almost tempted to stick with it, Ben, because they were they were brilliant. Yeah, I'm not surprised. They uh, they passed uh, Huddersfield to death. They, yeah, in the first half, they were really good. Fade a little bit in the second, but his first kind of... Probably thinking about neighbours, weren't they? Probably thinking, oh, I could be watching Dr. Clive Gibbons. <laughs> Will he get Jane, won't he? Yeah, and I think they fade a little bit in the second. In Huddersfield, you know, it wasn't a classic performance by then. They looked a little bit um, startled by maybe everything that's happened over the last few weeks. But yeah, really encouraging signs for the company in Burnley and I think he still wants to add a few more um, faces, new new signings. Callum O'Hare was left out of the Coventry team against Sunderland. Mark Robbins did his best to tell everybody it was a hamstring injury. I'm not so sure, but um, we'll see on that one. Um, Norwich lost to Cardiff. Is that a surprise? Well, yeah, I think so. You know, the Norwich team that they put out was, I'd say, pretty strong as championship, you know, teams go. Cardiff, entirely new team to last year. And by all accounts, Norwich were pretty poor. You know, they, people who have probably underwhelmed for a little bit too long now kind of did the same on Saturday. Todd Cantwell's been given another go. I don't think he was too too brilliant. So, yeah, lots to do there. And obviously, the, Dean Smith will be under pressure for them to challenge. Barry, uh, about 20 minutes into the Sunderland game, you put a message into the WhatsApp group going, we'll probably have to lead with Sunderland over the women's Euros. But they were, they were pegged back. Are you happy with a point? Yeah. I I was happy with the performance, disappointed they, they conceded a late equaliser, but I saw enough in that game to possibly delude myself into thinking they might get promoted, but certainly saw enough to suggest that they won't disgrace themselves in the championship this season, and that's plenty for me. Um, they, they look pretty good at times and sort of faded towards the end. Well... The thing is, they were playing Coventry. Uh, Coventry won 27 points from losing positions last season. They won a point from a losing position yesterday. And they've also scored, uh, last season, they scored 18 goals after the 80th minute, 11 of them in added time. So I wasn't hugely surprised that they equalised in the whatever 83rd, 84th minute. They, I'm not sure if it's down to... They're just a, Mark Robbins has them incredibly fit, or he just keeps them going and going and going. But they they have this never say die attitude, which serves them well. Peter says 
Referee Darren Bond was wearing an Alice band in his hair at Sunderland Coventry. Has the game gone? Robin, has the game gone? Is that oh, the moment? What do we, an Alice band? No, it was when Mossy had his, wasn't it Mossy on, on his, his boots? boots? Yes, you're I probably mean, right. Yeah. Um, I think we can allow an Alice band, can we? Oh, or is that is that just a slippery slope? <laughs> I don't know. I don't mind me. We have more questions about Darren Bond's Alice band than we did anything else. You know, our, Women's Euros 1, Darren Bond's Alice band 2. Um, uh, what about League 1? I mean, obviously Cambridge hammering MK Dons 1-0. Great goal. What a, what a goal. goal from Harvey Nibs, yeah. Um, it was really impressive, wasn't it? Um, Derby got a win, Ben. Yeah, I was at, I was at Pride Park and really amazing day for um Derby to be fair. More than 30,000 there. I mean, until Sunderland played it was the biggest crowd in in the EFL. Um and yeah, just an amazing afternoon really, a new era, David Clowes, uh, the owner, um up in the director's box, uh no longer in the north stand where he's got a season ticket and um yeah, just hell of a moment when Conor Hurahan did sort of a Cunahan goal, really, just buried it in the bottom corner from the edge of the box. And, um, yeah, sort of relief, joy, all of the emotions rolled into one. It was, yeah, a great day at Derby and hopefully um, a good season ahead after a sort of troubled couple of years. I'm not sure players as good as Conor Hurahan should be allowed to play in League One. It just doesn't feel right to me. Um, Sheffield Wednesday 3, Portsmouth 3 sounds like the game of the day, Ben. Um I don't know if you have anything interesting to say about it. No, I was just going to say, Colby Bishop already, um, you know, opened his account for Portsmouth. I think that's a really good, promising sign for them. Pompey have bolstered it, as I think I said last week, and in the last couple of days, new forwards, Colby Bishop, Dane Scarlett, Joe Piggott. I think they're going to, yeah, that's going to serve them really well. Uh, Lee Tomlin's red card for, (laughs) who was that for? Doncaster. Yeah, I mean that's got almost as many views as Jill Scott saying "fuck off, you fucking prick." It's um, can Barry, can you talk us through it? Doncaster were playing Bradford City away. Bradford City had a free kick. Lee Tomlin refused not only refused to to go back ten yards, but poked the ball away, so he got booked for that. Then Bradford put the ball down again to take the free kick. He poked it away again, and. Uh, He didn't get booked the second time, but then one of Bradford's players went in and sort of stamped on the outside of his foot, at which point he dropped to the ground as if shot. And uh, he got a second yellow for, I think, uh, feigning injury. Now, I'd imagine the stamp on the foot probably hurt, not least because he wasn't expecting it. But, um, yeah, so he, he, he probably got an undeserved second yellow but should have got a second yellow for the same offence as, you know, the one he got uh, that earned him the first one. And the ref was uh, Bobby Madden, who's retired from Scottish football last season to try and uh, make a career for himself in, in the English league. And he seems to have been the subject of an awful lot of derision from supporters of both teams. So... Not a great start for him, although I don't think he did much wrong in the Lee Tomlin incident. No, just had enough, hadn't he? Um, it's very funny. It's, I, it felt avoidable to me, is what I thought from Lee Tomlin. I reckon he could have just about got away with none of that happening. Um, Robin, did you have any interest? I don't know if you had any any thoughts on the EFL this weekend. You don't have to have any. You've been quite busy. Oh, I had I, I had one comment. Uh, the EFL highlights have now moved to ITV and um, the... I don't know if you if you watched it, um, but the the music is very 
late night American chat show. It was oh, really? quite disarming. Yeah, yeah, the sort of theme tune because the one on Quest was was very ah, oh, it was it was gave give me a headache. It was not good. So just just Hugh Woosencroft into like have a band there with him. Just... It's honestly it's like very saxophone and oh, like really? yeah, yeah like it just needs someone in the corner. Yeah, yeah just saying, <laughs> look, take us to the uh, the League One goals from Friday night, please. <laughs> exactly. Just before we finish with the the league or the football league business, Erling Braut Haaland's miss in the Community Shield is obviously the major talking point over the weekend. But I would like to tip my hat to both Michael Obafemi and Duncan Watmore, who uh, missed unbelievably glorious chances for uh, Swansea and I think it was Middlesbrough respectively. That that made Erling's uh, Faux pas in the community shield looked like a, a an unbelievable piece of skill. Actually, if, uh, Swansea's goal was called by Harry Darling, a centre back who they signed from MK Dons, I think, who w- we had at Cambridge, is brilliant and he is one to watch everybody. Uh, thanks, Ben. Have fun in Leicester. Thanks, Lord. Just quickly, I was going to say, I think we should wish um, Nick Anderton at Bristol Rovers all the best diagnosed with bone cancer. And um, Joey Barton, obviously, his manager said he's going to run the uh, London Marathon to raise funds. So, yeah, all the best to him. Yeah, well said. All the best to him. Um, have a good time in Leicester. Uh, pick us some coriander from the herb garden, <laughs> if you would, Ben. Cheers all. Uh, from EFL, we'll go to Fitbar. Barca Jim, friend of the pod, is very disappointed that we spent more time discussing <laughs> what was it, Pop Idol, Will Young and Gareth Gates than we did the start of the Scottish Premiership season last week. He writes, does the panel feel that Liberty X were a better band than the group who beat them hearsay? To which Jonathan said, excellent question. I would add that One True Voices song, Sacred Trust, is a better song compared to the rival Sound of the Underground by Girls Aloud. Anyway, uh, we will obviously get you and on soon. to do. You're shaking your head. I, I don't agree with the, um, I think Sound of the Underground is a better tune, Robin. That is a banger, yeah. yeah. A and banger. I think that was they had high hopes for One True Voice and they turned out to be yeah. at dull as yeah, ditch water. It didn't work out. That's the, look, it's... It's a difficult game, isn't it? The pop industry. Um, <laughs> it's a shit business. <laughs> Rangers were one down against Livingston for most of the game, but they came back and won 2-1. Jota scored an absolutely brilliant goal for Celtic against Aberdeen. Um, uh, you should check that out. Um, uh, Graham Alexander sacked as the Motherwell manager. Um, the earliest ever sacking in a season, maybe before their first game. Well, no, he they, they got beaten by Sligo Rovers in Europe and that did for him, I think. Uh, yeah. Anyway, look, we'll get you and Murray on. We'll get the jazz on. We'll do Fitball properly soon. Um, uh, there was some great shithousery, Barry, in the German Super Cup, wasn't there? From uh, Danny Olmo. Yeah, uh, Danny Olmo, uh, a- an opposition player went down, a Bayern, Bayern Munich player went down injured. So rather than kick the ball out of play, he just sort of rolled it to the touchline and left it on the touchline. So then when play resumed one of the Bayern Munich players picked the ball up to take the throw in but it actually hadn't actually gone out of play so he was penalized for handball by a very yes. overzealous linesman <laughs> who was waiting who had yeah. spotted what Olmo had done <laughs> was... and was just waiting for the ball to be picked up so he could flag vigorously and and uh, and the Bayern Munich players were most perplexed cuz 
it took them a while to figure out what had happened. But uh, yeah, very impressive. It was that lino just being like, oh, correct application of the law's time here. <laughs> this is going to be good. Um, uh, so anyway, um, uh, yeah, Bayern won 5-3 against Leipzig, if you're interested. Uh, let's finish the pod with this question from Rob. If England beat Germany tonight, it was sent uh, before the final. If Barry sings the chorus of Three Lions, I'll donate £50 to a charity of Barry's choice. Deal. Um, no. It's for charity. <laughs> this is money for charity, Barry. Uh, I've donated over £200 to various football-related charities, good causes in the last uh, week. Uh, so no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, look, we tried, Rob, um, uh, but that'll do for today. Uh, Robin, thank you. Thank you so much, Max. Uh, Barry, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Football Weekly was produced by Joel Grove. Our executive producer is Danielle Stevens. This is the Guardian.